ever feel like your passion project is not getting the respect it deserves? And no matter what strategy you try or course you buy, you can't seem to make enough money. Welcome to the Profit Meets Passion podcast. Each week, you'll hear from wellness entrepreneurs who have made running their own business their main moneymaker. You'll find inspiration and actionable tips to implement so you can increase your impact and income. I'm Anne Marie. Let's get to it. Hi, everybody. Um, Anne and I are here today to talk to you about something that we both notice come up a lot with wellness entrepreneurs, and that is limiting beliefs around your ability to be successful in business. And we hear this from other folks and we've felt these things ourselves and we just kind of want to break them down for you and let you know why your limiting beliefs are holding you back and that they are total baloney and you are absolutely capable of achieving what we've achieved and what others have, many others have achieved. I do think this is really important to kind of like reframe all of these limiting beliefs because that's exactly what they are. They are just limiting you. They are limiting your growth, your success. Every single person I would say has at least one of these, if not multiples, just based on the people that Whitney and I speak to and work with. Like we hear these all the time. So you're not alone you're in really great company. And we're going to kind of break down each one, why it's likely that you're feeling it, and then how to like reframe that thought to empower yourself and move forward. All right. So Anne started sort of in the wellness space a lot sooner than I did. Um, but by the time that I was, I was kind of excited about health and wellness and had been on my own journey, you know, I, I really wanted to, I felt a calling to be a nutritional therapist, but I had this thought in my head that, you know, everyone is already doing it and there's not any space for me, or you have to go back to school and you have to get a master's degree and you have to do all this stuff. Or, you know, if you're with beauty counter, like, oh my gosh, you know, the market's already saturated. Nobody's going to buy from me. Right. I think a lot of us have those, those reels playing over and over in our head, but Anyway, so I just to share like a little personal story. So right now I'm running a successful business from my house. This is about three years after I was initially having those thoughts, right? So I went to a wellness chat at my favorite paleo restaurant in Denver called Just Be Kitchen. If you're ever in Denver, make sure you go there. But there were these two women who were quote unquote influencers. They were both running successful wellness businesses. And I met this girl there when I was in line and we chatted about it, how interested we were in wellness and on and on. And she goes, everybody wants to be a blogger these days and no one is going to be successful. It's already totally oversaturated. And she went on and she said that, and those words really stuck with me. And you know what? If I had listened to her, I wouldn't be talking to you today, right? Where do you think she is? She's probably like sitting at her nine to five job, hating her life right now, right? Whereas every day I get to do something that I really love because I chose not to follow those limiting beliefs. And so I guess the reason why I say this is because, you know, two and a half, three years ago, the market, there were a lot of bloggers out there. There were a lot of wellness folks out there. If I had listened to that, everyone is already doing it and there's not space for me. If I had listened to her voice, kind of implanting that in my head, and it's a voice that I hear so many other people say, then I would never have given myself this opportunity to be where I am now. So that one is, I think, really the most common thing that's preventing folks from getting started. And it is the biggest lie 
there are so many people in this world. There are so many people who are also not feeling super well or who need to learn from you and hear your message. And if you aren't sharing that with the world, I think that you're doing people a disservice and you're also doing yourself a disservice because you're not going after what you want and you're absolutely capable of being successful. Yeah. And whether or not you believe in manifestation and energy, any of that, I think what we can agree on here is that what we're talking about, this whole, like everybody is already doing it. There isn't enough space for me. It's oversaturated. All of that stems from a lack mindset. And we have to break this down. But the thing is, when I started my blog in 2014, I felt like it was too late to start a blog. And now it's like, wow, thank goodness I started a blog and an Instagram account in 2014. It's like, you're always going to feel like that. People who started 10 years before me probably thought it was too late to start a blog. So you just have to get started. And then in the future, you are going to be so thankful that you did whether it's because you're successful and you've achieved some of the goals that you set for yourself or whether it's because you figured out that it wasn't a good fit for you and it wasn't something that you do want to pursue. And I think that there's still so much value in that because even if you figure out that this isn't something that aligns with you or it's not something that you want to sacrifice your personal time in order to pursue, you won't regret it later and wonder like what would have happened if I would have started. You will know that like, hey, I tried it and it wasn't right for me. So a couple of the main things that I hear the most from this particular limiting belief is people saying that they feel like they're too old. And I love, I love when I hear that. And they're the same age as I was when I started. One, I love it because then people are like, wait a second, you're 33. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm 33. I was 26 when I started my blog and I didn't really do anything with it until I was like 27. Anyway, so I love it because it flatters me. They think I'm younger than I am, but also I love it because I'm able to speak to that. Like, hey, I was also that age when I started, like just do it. And then people saying that it's too saturated or everybody is on Instagram, everybody has a blog, like nobody reads blogs anymore. Nobody listens to podcasts anymore. I have to get on TikTok because people don't like Instagram or Facebook. Like there's always people saying that. So get started, build your audience in whatever way feels good to you. And then you can adjust and try out new platforms as they become available. Totally. So kind of along those lines, right? The next step that we hear is like, oh, okay, well, I guess that there maybe is an opportunity for me to be successful here. But then folks are like, I don't know enough to get started, right? You doubt your intelligence or your knowledge around the topic that you want to be teaching on, whether that's health and wellness or it's photography or, you know, starting your own Etsy business, right? Feeling like, oh, I just can't do this. There's just all these barriers and I'm never going to get there. And so imposter syndrome is a real thing that so many of us experience. And Anne and I, like, you never get over imposter syndrome. You just keep learning how to push through it. But really at the end of the day, you guys, there is so much a information teaching you how to get started on the internet. This podcast being one of them, we have some really great tools for you, but also you really just need to be a few steps ahead of the people that you're wanting to help. Right. You know, maybe you're a person in your community that everybody comes to and says like, Hey, is this a good supplement brand or what's your favorite collagen? Or, you know, where do you get X, Y, Z, right? We already see you as an expert, right? So use that, take that as an angle and 
trust that, Hey, I've got some expertise and I have some knowledge and that I have something to offer other people. Yes. I love that one because I feel like that one, aside from feeling like it's too saturated, the market is too saturated. I think imposter syndrome is just like you said, that was a mic drop moment where you were like, you never get over imposter syndrome. You just learn how to push through it because that is spot on. Everybody always has it. And so my kind of philosophy with this is you don't have to know everything. You just have to know where to find it. And that was one of the best advice that I was given when I created my detox your life program, because with detoxification, and I'm talking about detoxing your entire life, like all these areas of your life, spoiler alert, I cannot be an expert on detoxifying every single area of somebody's life, right? Like I can probably be an expert on like the nutritional components and maybe the household components and maybe the body care components. But then when it comes to like movement and mindset, those are not areas that I feel I can just answer any question on the fly about. So when I expressed this concern to a mentor of mine, they were like, you don't have to know all the answers. You just have to be honest with your audience and know where to find it. And so when I would host trainings like live trainings about detoxification in order to prepare for the launch of it. And even when I hosted a live webinar to promote the program, if I didn't know an answer, what I would say is, Hey, you know, that's something that's like a really complex issue and it might not be relevant to everyone. So why don't I get more information about that? And I'll send you an email with my thoughts. And that way it's like, I'm being honest with them that this is like a really complex issue that we're going to dive into a little bit further in a one-on-one -on -one setting. That's a really great point, Anne, that you don't have to know everything. You just need to be able to figure out where it is. And you may not even know where to figure out where it is right away, but there are so many resources out there, right? There are people in your life who want to support you. Your teachers want to support you. Your mentors want to support you. So don't let that be a, a reason why you don't jump in, right? We're all figuring this out as we go along. And I think that what happens is we look at other people and we assume that they just have it all figured out and they've always had it all figured out. But at the end of the day, we're continuously learning. And if you let that cloud hover over you that you don't know enough, then you're just going to be where you are right now forever and always. And I also see this so much with people where they're like, I'm going to buy another course. I'm going to get another certification, right? And they don't trust that they are good enough right now. They think that they have to learn from everybody and everything. And yes, there are courses out there and there are certifications out there that are necessary. I had to become a nutritional therapist before I was able to help people with nutrition. And, you know, I had to take an online course on how to create a group coaching program, right? Those are things that are really supporting me. But I see other folks who, instead of just doing one or two things and really focusing in on them, they purchase everything, right? And they're constantly purchasing, oh, I need to do the RW certification, or I need to do like a toxin certification. I need to do this and I need to do that. And it's like, hold the phone, slow down, stop spending all of your money on things and just stay where you are right now and figure out, okay, this is where I want to be. I know that I can implement these tools that I already have and then reassess and say, how do I get to my next level? Oftentimes that will be investing in something else, right? But I don't want you to be hopping from one investment to another, to another, and never diving in and actually doing something with it. So another thing to think about with this, and then I think we can consider this one reframed, is to um, also 
give your audience the opportunity to educate themselves. And so one thing that I really like to do, if somebody's asking a question that's kind of beyond your expertise or beyond the content and that you're teaching in the program, don't feel like that means that you need to add a whole bunch of content to your program. So going back to my program, Detox Your Life, if somebody's asking about how this affects fertility, it's like that is beyond the course of my program. And so what I would do is I would empower them by giving them resources to look into into how detoxification relates to fertility. So that's just like an example there in the wellness industry. But rather than me being like, oh, I'm going to try to BS my way through this and give them an answer so that they view me as an expert, I'm just going to be like, you know what, that's actually beyond my expertise, but here's a resource that I think would be really great for you to look into in regards to that. And that's like empowering people to just take the next step for themselves rather than waiting around for somebody else to tell them what to do. So that goes along with what you're saying, Whitney, where it's like a lot of this stuff, this business stuff can be more intuitive than we're giving ourselves credit for. Like when I created Wellness Course Academy, I was trying to follow other people's processes and it continuously was not working for me. And it wasn't until I went with my intuition, I'm like, how does it make sense for me to create an online course that I figured out how to do it very differently? And it turned out to be a way that worked out really well. So trust your intuition more than you feel like you need to. And then this is something I think sales ends up being a limiting belief for people. Either I'm bad at sales or I'm afraid to make sales, you know, and we totally get that marketing yourself is really scary and everybody thinks that they're going to be bad at sales. Well, you don't, first of all, you don't know if you're bad at sales until you actually try to sell something. Right. And so if you get all in your head about that, then you're never going to get started. But really when it comes down to sales, it's about having a strategy and figuring out ways to be authentic in things and sharing your knowledge and really, you know, showing people that you're an expert, which we've already established, right? When we talked about how you just need to be a few steps ahead of, of other people. So Anne and I, obviously we do have a course that kind of helps folks figure this out because this is the most limiting belief that we hear quite frequently in whether it's a beauty counter consultant who signs up and then never actually puts themselves out there and talks to folks about their products or a nutritionist a nutritional therapist who is just really afraid to just ask for the sale, right? You're creating content, you create content, you create content, you create content, and then you never ask for it. And if you don't ask, then you're never going to get it. And therefore you will remain bad at sales. Yeah. So anybody who feels like they're bad at sales, hello, that's probably everybody, like literally everybody thinks they're bad at sales. And one thing that's interesting to me, I would seek out people to partner with that I felt were really good at promoting themselves because I felt like that was a weakness of mine. So I felt creating content was something that I was really good at. Like I love creating programs and I feel like education and, and curriculum development is a strength of mine. And so I would like to create things, but I wanted to partner with somebody else who could like go out and be the face of the product and promote it. And now it's like, I'm attracting certain people who are like, this thing that you did, this tactic that you did, or the story you shared is what caused me to want to work with you because I felt like you're really good at sales. And it's just interesting to hear that now because I was totally the opposite in the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Whether you think you're bad at sales or you're actually bad at sales, which I don't think you are. It's really just about figuring out like, how do we do this in a way that doesn't feel salesy and is authentic to people? And that's something that you can absolutely learn. And it's a way to sort of harness your own individuality and make that something that people crave and want to be a part of. Yeah. And if you have this limiting belief, highly suggest listening to our podcast episode from last week, the social media sales strategies, because it dives into this one, like in depth and ways to overcome that. And I hear from folks all the time saying that they feel like there's no way to be a successful coach or wellness entrepreneur without constantly burning themselves out or giving away all of their best content for free. And, you know, we've both been there, but we figured out how to really engage our communities in a way that helps them know us and like us and want to purchase from us. And so that's why we created a five-day challenge to help you guys implement our strategies and get your audience to feel the same way about you. This challenge includes five days of social media prompts to help you boost the engagement on the social media channel of your choice, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or YouTube. This challenge is totally free to join. So if you are ready to take action and increase engagement on social media, I want you to head to socialstoryselling.com right now, and we will send you the prompt for day one right to your inbox. All right. So the next one is kind of in the same thing as like, I'm bad at sales. I don't want to be salesy and that no one will want to pay X amount to work with me. And so what Whitney and I see is people undercharging, which I think overall it devalues your time. It devalues what it is that you're creating and the entire industry as a whole. Because if you devalue your work just because you feel like you can sell a bunch of it and like people will want to come with you because you're less expensive, then it, it kind of brings the industry down where now there's like a baseline where everybody feels like a health coach, for example, should only cost a hundred dollars a month. Okay. So if you want to charge, let's say $500 a month for health coaching, but you feel like, okay, everybody else out there is only charging a hundred dollars a month. So nobody will want to pay that much to work with me why wouldn't they? Like, I just want you to reframe that. Like, why can't you be the expert that charges what everybody is worth? And when it comes to that, it's not how much can you charge, but how much value are you giving to people? What are you saving them? What are you giving them? What are they going to gain from working for you? And how much is that worth to them? And that's how you can figure out your price point. That's how you can communicate your price point so that people will want to pay that. But I also think that like in this context, there probably is a limit where your buyer pool is going to decrease pretty significantly after you get above a certain price point. But there's also a pretty big range there where people will pay $100 to work with you or they will pay $500 a month to work with you. So why can't you be the one who's charging more? So for example, I would love to get into, this is something we've talked about in past episodes, but I would love to get into YouTube. Like that's something I would love to add into my business. I have no idea how to do that. So I will very likely either hire somebody to teach me how to do that or purchase a course. So I have my eye on a course, it's $400. 
And then I got an email from somebody who I barely know, and she's charging $99. And so my ear, like my eyes, my ears, whatever, they perked up. And I was like, Ooh, I could save $300 by going with this person's course. But in my head, I'm thinking, why isn't her course 400? What am I going to learn more by purchasing the $400 course? Like, what am I missing out on by going with the cheaper product, right? So I believe that the value of the product is better when it's priced higher. And so if I can afford it, I'm going to go with that higher price product. So I think the end result is going to be better. So I think when you kind of reframe it that way as like, if you can provide a better service, you can work with fewer clients because you're charging more, you can give them more hands-on support, then do it, like go for it. You just have to push forward, test it out for fewer clients if you're charging $500 a client versus $100 a client. So clearly your sales are going to decrease, but if your revenue doesn't increase with it, then maybe try adjusting your price point, bringing it down a little bit more. And that's something that I know you've kind of played around with Whitney is charging more or less and just kind of like figuring out where that sweet spot is for you and for your market. Yeah. Recently sales were down a little bit for me. Gosh, like I think it went really well beginning of the year and then things sort of slowed down a little bit. And then I lowered my prices a bit just to see like what's going to happen. Right. It's like nothing has to be solidified. You can change this at any point. So lowered my prices and then got back up to a point where my books were so full that I was like, oh, shnikes, I got to charge more for my time because I'm swamped right now. And so I raised my prices around $300 and people are still signing up, right? Like this past week I had three people sign up. One person signed up in full and like, Hey, all my bills are paid and I've got tons of savings left over and I'm feeling really good about where I'm at. And the fact that I raised my prices didn't prevent people from signing up with me. Right. I think let yourself play around with it. Let yourself increase and decrease with where you're at. And then the last one. So I think, you know, uh, everybody thinks they're going to fail. Like where we all think that we're going to fail and that we're not going to be successful. And then our friends are going to laugh at us or they're going to judge us when we make ourselves vulnerable and then, you know, don't do a great job. But here's the thing with entrepreneurship guys, if you don't fail, I really don't think that you're doing it right. You know, there are, that's where all the lessons are. That's where the growth happens. We have all had programs that flop. We have all had sales calls that flopped. Entrepreneurship is a really messy thing. And if you want to be successful, you have to be willing to mess up. You have to throw that perfectionist component of your mind to the wind and say, Hey, I'm going to suck at this and I'm going to suck at it until I don't suck at it. Right. Like I said earlier, like you read and you research forever because you have to get to this point where you think that you know it all, but that doesn't make you successful. What makes you successful is actually getting out there and doing things, getting moving, right? And there are going to be trolls. There are going to be people who talk smack about you or who think, oh, she's not doing a good job or wow, that's embarrassing. Can you believe that she signed up to be a health coach and she's trying to do this, right? They're out there and it's, it's going to happen, but just go into it knowing like, hey, some people are going to think that I'm cool. Some people are going to think that I'm lame and I might not be great at this at first, but know that if you continue, I really think that grit is one of the most important components of being an entrepreneur, because like I said, you are going to fail. You aren't going to do a good job on everything and being able to fall forward is really important here. Yeah. And the only way to improve is by getting started. You can't improve on something that doesn't exist. And so if I look at the history of grass-fed salsa, it looked so 
ugly when I first created it, but I thought it looked great. Like who cares? There's just, there's going to be a point in time where you look back and you're like, these blogs were written and they were in a terrible format for SEO and I have to rewrite them all. And then it's like, no, you don't have to rewrite them all. Just like, I'm glad I got started. I'm glad that this helped build my traffic in the beginning and built my name. And if it's something that I think is a good blog, I'll rewrite it sometime in the future when I have time. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't have to be perfect right from the beginning. And then one other thing that you said that I want to touch on before we kind of wrap this up with ways to kind of flip the script on these is with like, people are going to talk, people are going to judge me. It's, they're going to, it's going to be embarrassing if I stop doing it or if I fail or whatever. So first off, people are probably not talking about you as much as you think they are because People are super busy. They don't have time to be following you. And is she succeeding? When was the last time that she posted a blog post? Like, does she talk about working with clients? Like people aren't probably following you that closely, even if they're enemies or whatever, like, you know, it, people are just not putting that much emphasis on you. And one thing that is kind of cool that sometimes I'll have like a, an old sorority sister who will tag somebody in one of my recipes and they'll be like, I can't believe I didn't share her content with you before. She has so many recipes you'll love. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, I hardly create any recipes. What is this girl talking about? But it's just because she doesn't follow me that closely. Like she thinks that I have all these recipes on my website or, or maybe I have more than I think. I just... I feel like this is always something you're going to run into and you need to just realize that people aren't watching you that closely and it's not going to be embarrassing. They're not going to talk about you. There might be some people that do and just pay them no mind. Yeah. I don't know what the David Foster Wallace quote is that I'm trying to think of, but it's like, stop caring about what people think of you when you realize how seldom they often do. Like we all kind of think in our minds that people care more than they actually do. But there, you know, for me, I think the most freeing thing is, is just realizing like folks are going to talk. Some people are going to talk and I can just choose to not really care about it. So whichever mindset component works better for you, either like nobody cares about me or some people do and they're going to talk and I don't care. Like <laughs> whatever you need to do to feel good and get moving, do that and you will be okay and you are safe and it is great for you to get out there and be vulnerable and make your dreams come true, right? So now we're kind of going to get into flipping the script is what I like to call it. So this is an activity. If you have a piece of paper near you, get it out. And if you're driving or you're walking, that's fine. You can kind of just think through these on your own. But I want you to draw a line down the middle of this worksheet. And on the left side, I want you to write down common thoughts that are kind of holding you back. Maybe there are some of the limiting beliefs that we address today. Maybe there are others that you're realizing like, oh, I think this negative thought a lot when it comes to making myself vulnerable or starting a business. So pause this podcast if you are doing that and write down sort of as many as come up for you. And then on the other side of that line, next to each limiting belief, I want you to write down sort of the opposite of that, right? So maybe if your limiting belief was no one wants to buy from me, you could say I am landing sales regularly, or perhaps there are hundreds of people out there who benefit from my services. So pause again and go through that and write down all of the positive spins that you can put on those limiting beliefs that you have. 
All right. And then I want you to pick three. Which one, as you read through those lists of positive sort of affirmations, which ones really feel good to you when you say them? Which ones land, they stick? Put a circle or a check mark around them. And now I want you to put those on sticky notes and I want you to put them all around your house. I want you to maybe put in a notes notification on your phone so that maybe at 10 a.m. you get one, at noon you get another, at three you get another, right? I want this to kind of get embedded into your subconscious so it kind of helps shift things for you, right? And one thing that I think is really interesting is we can reshape our neural pathways. So if you have a thought pattern and it goes from, I want to start a business to immediately I am terrible at sales. You know, you are able to shift that and make it jump to another place, right? It's just that that path from bad, I want to start a business to no, I'm bad at sales. I'll never be successful. That's a really strong path, kind of like a a highway. It's easy for you to get from A to B, but instead I want you to be able to get to a place where you're thinking, oh, I want to start a business and you start a new path, a trail, right? That says people are buying from me every single day. And as you continue to say that to yourself, we're going to reshape what your thoughts are and where you go to immediately so that it's no longer this negative thing. It can be a positive thing for you. Yes. Okay. I, this is so funny because I was cleaning my office the other day and I just threw away <laughs> this activity, no literally way. this activity that you're talking about here. So I pulled it out of the trash can. I'm holding up this torn in half document of papers for Whitney to see that nobody else can see, but I pulled it out so that I could kind of look at some of my notes on this. But essentially what you're doing here is you're putting down into paper your negative energy, and then you are having like an energetic release of all of this negativity. So despite just reframing your pathways here and the way that your mind goes when these like negative thought patterns come into your head, you are releasing this negative energy. And what you call in with those positive beliefs that you are reframing, you're calling in something that's proportional to what you've let go of. So if you're looking at this from an energetic mindset, and I know that that's not going to resonate for everyone, But I do think that there is a direct correlation between strategy and like the mindset and energetic work behind it. So you can be putting out everything. And if you have all of this negative energy in you, you're not going to be able to call in a lot of the positivity. So what you call in will be proportional to what you let go of. So I think that that definitely needs to stick for you. And if you want to take this a step further at the end, like what I found to be really cathartic is if I do this activity, if I write down all of the negative thought patterns, and then I kind of have a ceremony around it. So like I go and I burn the piece of paper and then I like put it into the ground. So I'm just getting rid of that energy and then reframing it with all of this positivity. Yes. I love it. That's so cool. That can be a really, really great ceremony to do. Awesome guys. Well, we hope that this resonated with you. I I hope sharing some of our personal stories and, you know, some of the strategies that we use to overcome these things were impactful for you and really encourage you to do the activity. If you didn't do it live, it can be very transformative. All right. We'll see you next week with some talk about creating digital products. Bye. Wait, don't go yet. 
You've reached the end, which can only mean one thing. You loved this episode. If I can ask for one simple favor, it'd be for you to leave Profit Meets Passion a quick review on iTunes. These reviews help to support the show and help other wellness entrepreneurs find it too. While you're there, make sure to subscribe and share this episode with your biz bestie and Instagram community. You can tag me at grassfedsalsa. Finally, you can head over to profitmeetspassion.com for all the links I referenced in this podcast. See you next week.